Hi, this is Paul. Uh, my usual practice is, um, well, I, I check things in the morning and I usually make sure that my video posted and everything's in order and then I'll go to Twitter and this morning, boom. Have you seen, have you heard the Jordan Hall interview? Did you hear that Jordan Hall has been baptized as a Christian? Do you hear him identifying as a Christian? It was just bang, bang, bang. I was like, what? wow. And before you know, it was all over Twitter. Now, of course, for those of you who've been around this little corner for a while, Jordan Hall is a is a regular. He's had regular conversations with John Verveke. He had a conversation. He was he was in Rebel Wisdom during the whole Rebel Wisdom days. He had a conversation with John Verveke and Jonathan Jonathan Peugeot. Uh, I have not had a conversation with Jordan Hall. I was supposed to be on the the. The Stoa with him and John Verveke once, and I got my time changed, my time zones dyslexically mixed up, and so I missed the appointment. That would have been my conversation with Jordan Hall. He had done a video with John Verveke about the commons, and that really struck me. But but overall, I always had trouble understanding Jordan Hall. Uh, he would talk about things that were just seemingly so abstract, it was often difficult for me to get a sense of what exactly are we talking about and where is this going? And I didn't know much about his background or any of that, but I, I knew that he was just sort of in what I sort of labeled as the post-Christian corner of the corner. And he was he was very much involved with John Verveke's practice of, of religion that's not a religion. Now... Now, some of you will notice that I am playing around with Descript. Descript is a text-based video editing tool. And I, I got turned on to this by Malcolm and Simone. And I've been playing around with it, finding its strengths and its shortcomings. And um, what's nice about it is you can very quickly find elements in a long conversation. It seems to struggle with long conversations. But John Verveke's Silk Road. I, and I talked about this with Jordan, Jordan Peterson, yeah. I think there's an advent of the sacred happening right now. And the point of this, in, in response to the meaning crisis, and the point of the philosophical Silk Road is to make myself, put myself in service to this. I'm, again, I am not trying to found a religion, and thank you for reminding people that I'm not doing that. But I do want to put myself in service of it, be an embodied vehicle, try to just give people something by which they can participate with. What would that look like to try and enter into a relationship with that? And that's what I'm trying to do. And I think, right, nobody lives on the Silk Road. Everybody should go back to their home where there's the much detailed, thick description of the sacred. But the Silk Road should have a thinner. I'm using. I'm using. I'm using. Uh, what's his name? Schellingberg in his book, where he talks about thick and thin and strong and weak. Um, uh, the Silk Road should be thin, is it should go for what is most shareable, uh, but it should nevertheless be nevertheless strong, be oriented towards real transcendence, ultimacy, right? Um, and that way, everybody can travel on the Silk Road and return to their homes, or maybe move to a different home. 
So I really like his his continued evolution of the Silk Road. Now, Silk is is really sort of perfect for this because not only does it have sort of a historical referent in terms of the Silk Road that connected uh, the Middle East to Asia and Europe to Asia, but Silk also is very thin but surprisingly strong. And so he talked about the Silk being thin and strong. And then I talked about C.S. Lewis and the in the hallway but, but jordan hall was very much on the silk road before you know as 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 john is putting out the silk road and continuing one, one of the things continuing to refine it i have to learn i'm listening with this tool i'm listening to myself how often i don't finish sentences trying to be a little bit more disciplined in my speaking you think after being a Christian minister for how many years I'd get a little bit more disciplined in my speaking. Anyway, Jordan Hall was very much part of this Silk Road project. And the, the podcast that this is on Emerge, Making Sense of What's Next, podcast by Daniel Thorson. I'll put the link below. Wow. Just wow. I'm not going to go through the whole thing right now. I don't have that kind of time. I've been really wanting to dive into Chesterton's biography of St. Francis of Assisi. I don't know why I picked that up the other night, but wow, am I loving it. Is it so of the moment right now? So anyway... <laughs> Back to this conversation, this podcast with Jordan Hall. The title of the podcast couldn't be any more bold, Jordan Hall Converts to Christianity. Now, I know at least one person in the corner expressed his skepticism, and fair enough. I listened to this, and again, it, it sounds, when I say it sounds genuine, I don't mean that just in terms of tone of voice and earnestness, but in terms of how this fits into Jordan Hall's life. I don't, like I said, I didn't know a lot about Jordan Hall's life, but I've watched him long enough in all of these things to get a sense of him. And I have seldom found him, well, maybe it's because he's becoming a Christian. I've seldom found him so coherent and insightful as I heard in this video. A number of people emailed me, messaged me, and, and one person who's been on the channel before just said, I this this podcast just keeps giving and giving and giving. And there are a number of elements of this podcast that connect with other things and I'll probably use them in conjunction with other things. But I thought before I do any of that, I at least want to let you know about the podcast and set it up a little bit. By all means, listen to the whole thing. And just by looking around on his um on who he's had on it's it's very much silk road uh, layman pascal i mean these this is this is john verveke's corner of the corner very much and it's an amazing podcast so let's dive into it later on spent time interacting with several of the indigenous traditions <laughs> and um never really so so what jordan he starts out talking about the meta-crisis. So, of course, with John Verveke, we have the meaning crisis. If you listen to the Smackdenberg, McGillchrist, Verveke video, 
Daniel Smachtenberg has been one of those who has been talking about the meta crisis. And of course, meta crisis is close to game B. And this is all sort of together with Brett and Eric Weinstein, the apocalypticism, this particular brand of apocalypticism that looks at the people who are have risen to the level of rubbing shoulders and sharing private jets with the elite of the world or are just working one level down for the elite of the world. And what everyone is noticing is that in a whole variety of disciplines, very basic foundational systems that most of us don't see, but we all rely upon, are breaking down. And this is the meta-crisis. And what it looks like, I'll talk about you know, my conversation with Eric Weinstein at ARC briefly. When I talked to him, what, what grabbed me right away was the earnestness with which he was thinking apocalyptically about this meta-crisis that, guess what? We're all doomed and in pretty short order. And at least, and there doesn't seem to be a lot that can be done about it. And if you look at Eric Weinstein's conversation on Chris Williamson, the first part of it, which I also played on the channel, where Eric is talking about all of the ways that the uber-wealthy are sort of prepping for the collapse of these systems that we are all dependent upon. We had a little foretaste of it in COVID, and we all know how much COVID disrupted things. Well, can you imagine how other things, um, something a lot larger than COVID, COVID didn't wind up to be too much of a killer, something far larger than COVID could disrupt systems and then suddenly you have civilizational collapse. And as Jordan said here, when you had the Bronze Age collapse, well, or you had the Roman Empire collapse, you had the collapse of a civilization, but there's a lot around it. And now via globalization, if we have the collapse of global civilization, nobody knows what that will look like. And so what Jordan Hall has been on, along with many others, they all sort of have their own takes on it and their own remedies for it. Smackdenberg, Eric Weinstein, Brett Weinstein, et cetera, et cetera. Everybody's seeing this collapse and they're trying to figure out what to do with it. And, and so part of, many people sort of approach it as preppers, but that's, that's really kind of a, a naive way to approach it because the problems aren't just out there. The problems are in here or in here. And it's actually the, we can use the Collins, they have their own doomsday thing, uh, Malcolm and Simone Collins. But hmm, how can I say this? This is very much the Silk Road. Okay, what do you need not only to, you need to participate and you need something to embody. And again, John Verveke was never clear. I'd never heard, heard him clearer than what he did in my conversation with him with respect to, you can't live on the Silk Road. You need to go back to your home. But part of the meta crisis is what I'm practicing at home is functionally part of the problem. I need a new operating system. I need a new way to live. And sort of different from when Brett Weinstein says, you just choose to not be the assassin robot. 
Jordan Hall has been on a quest with his wife and his daughter to live a new way, to find a new way to live. And he has been conducting this search with all the seriousness of someone in sort of this technical, apocalyptic, post-Christian venue. And he walks nicely through this in this podcast because for the people who listen to this podcast, this is their world. Certainly couldn't have gotten to the point of actually adopting a truly indigenous worldview well beyond my capacities, but participating in that space meaningfully. And of course, that can't help but break apart a substantial amount of the um, assumptions, axioms, um, biases of the kind of Western secular, not really ever fully materialist, but certainly naturalist mm-hmm. worldview that I have been brought up in. It's imp- and and this is classic Jordan Hall, very theoretical, but it, it's almost one of the things I realized getting a little bit of a deeper window into his life his talk is very theoretical but his application is very practical and so he is in all earnestness to a degree that is extremely unusual for most of us normies who are just kind of trying to make enough money to keep the mortgage going and put food on the table and put kids in college Jordan Hall is moving anywhere and everywhere in the world, looking for communities, trying to find the place where he can, not a little bunker somewhere in Idaho or Montana, but in fact, an entire new worldview to address the one he has. And as he goes after that, he realizes that one doesn't just take off your worldview as you take off today's clothing. This is a very deep process because in terms of the mapping that we have received, most of us are mostly unaware of the worldviews through which we interact with the world. And he recognizes that you start talking about worldview, yada, yada, but the digger you deep, you realize that this is your religion. This is your operating system. And if you're actually going to tinker with it, you need... To live into it. I, this morning I was talking to Elizabeth Oldfield. Had an amazing time with Elizabeth Oldfield. And so that's on No Wait, No Ads. It'll come out next week. I'll, I'll be making some clips. And again, I'm using, part of the reason I'm playing with clips is I'm using this whole Descript thing because I'm trying to figure out just how to do a bunch of new things. I'm always I'm always playing with some things. So, um So, so he's recognizing that he needs a new operating. As, as I said to Elizabeth Oldfield, which is exactly what she said to someone who sent in a question to her, if you want to believe something different, the best way to believe something different is to move into a community where everyone believes that thing. Because the truth is, we believe things together. That's how human beings adopt their beliefs. Now, that's it's obviously a simplification of it. You, you move in, you move out. The whole talk about deconstruction. Um, Elizabeth Oldfield and I talked quite a bit about deconstruction. But all of that is involved here. So he decides he's going to move in, and he and his wife and his daughter are going to become, in many ways, different people possible to, to make room for that much differential without breaking down some walls. Mm-hmm. 
So that was that. And now we get to the Sivium moment. So the Sivium moment was where there was a feeling that both the work at the level of, say, now this is maybe in the category of the previous conversation of spirituality. Mm-hmm. Right? The, the notion where psychology and mind break open to a much larger category. Um, and that category is called spirituality and includes a much larger number of things yeah. than what Western, Westerns would call psychology. Um, or to say it another way, psychology is a subset of spirituality. But that theory and spirituality now had to give way to embodiment at the level of actual community. Mm. So we couldn't do game B. I couldn't do the game B mine solo. Yeah. There actually had to be something much larger. It had to be, and it had to be in practice. Mm. And so the Civium work was, a, was to look at that from the point of view of what's the design space that will maybe help me and mm. us narrow down the, the variety of different ways of embodying this in community. Um, because we don't have a long time. We don't have a lot of people to just throw at the problem. And for me in particular, I've got just me, my wife, and my daughter that we're going to be throwing into that meat grinder. Um, which did a pretty good job. Like we narrowed it down to, let's say, 12 specific experiments that we were willing to drop into where we dropped in with people mm. who were engaged. Okay, so you've got all of this stuff. And of course, someone like him has, he has resources, he has time, he has talk to John Verveke. He's got access to these people. He is, he is, he is fully embedded in that little corner of the corner. Um, it's just, I've given a lot of time and I, when I went to my church, no one knew who Jordan Peterson was. No one knew who Paul Vanderclay was, Verveke, Peugeot. They don't know who the four horsemen of eight new atheism are, but they love the Lord. There's some young people that I get along with and there's a lot of beautiful people there and you know it's not just that i go i've written two christmas plays there and done a lot of cool stuff and you know our pastor i do a lot with him and yeah like no one says oh that's very vervakian of you to uh, oh oh the way that we're actually trans subsidiarity of universal <laughs> principles it's like come on like Come on, people. And it, I will say, not just in a, like, not just in a shame way. We, guys, 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 we need you. High in openness, high in creativity, disagreeable people, you also need to be in the church. And when I, I listen to a lot of these podcasts, I listen to almost, I don't know, of the le- recent ones, I've listened to 99% of the last six months of uh, PVK podcasts. Guys, guys. You, I, I can't hear the same story any more times of like, I tried to go to church, but it was too hard. You sit in the seat and you listen, okay? It's not that hard. Enough. Enough. These people are like, well, I was reading uh, physics and I was reading about a trans subsidiarity across multiple dimensions. I'm really like, you can't sit in a drink lukewarm coffee and sit in an uncomfortable seat and shake hands with five people afterwards. And it's like, oh, but that's impossible. It's like, enough. You're learning about, you know, multi, you know, evolutionary psychology of turtles. And you can't listen to a, a sermon on, like, why you should be nice to your neighbor. Enough. And the thing is, I need you people. I, you know, I go to a church that's very serious that uh, in its faith and is very, has a lot of, I need more creative, high and openness people, Okay. I can't do it. I'm writing the Christmas play. I'm doing announcements. I'm doing my comedy bits. 
trying to open people's uh, up to new perspectives very, very, very slowly, very gently. You don't want to scare off the conservative Christians. They're very skittish, skittish creatures. They get scared easily. But we need you guys and you being like, well, I, I couldn't. I, it's just too scary. It's like enough, enough. Follow PVK's advice. Pay, look at someone you respect. Go to their church. Look at a pastor you expect, respect. Go to their church. Enough. An hour in the seat. Shake someone's hand. Go home. <laughs> enough. He's embedded in that little corner of the corner, let's say the way Grim Grizz or Chad the Alcoholic is embedded in this little corner of the corner. But of course, they're not doing everything on YouTube like we are with, you know, all of all of all kinds of people watching. They're having public meetings and private meetings and some of these things are online, yada yada yada. It's all it's all going around. And he's doing the work. We're engaging in embodied practices of building community for real in particular locations over a period of about three years mm. Mm. and spent meaningful time. And sometimes, actually many times, we thought that we had gotten to a really good place and mm. could make a deep commitment. And then in each case, for reasons that were actually quite surprising. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, well, quite surprising, the plan, the best made plans, shattered. Mm. Like we're actually disrupted in a profound way. So, for example, when we went to Kauai and integrated very nicely with the indigenous, with the Hawaiians, Hawaiian indigenous people, with whom I'm still in collaborative relationship, and with the folks who lived in that. You know, it, it's funny because these buzzwords develop, and in terms of the urban monoculture, indigenous is one of these buzzwords like organic and natural. Of course, buzzwords are holy words, and indigenous, organic, natural, and and sort of it's just got this vibe of, well, if we can get back to the indigenous and yada, yada, yada. And the, the, but the thing is, for a million people who use those bud words, one little family will actually make a real effort to try to go there. And Jordan and his family is that one in a million. And Echo of the Woods, and with this whole new crew of people that were coming in, um, there was a strong sense of, let's say, a, a shared agreement that mm. something, a shared agreement on a certain design of what needed to happen, on the necessity of it happening, on what its characteristics needed to look like and what proper behavior needed to look like. For example, how do we properly come into relationship with the place and the people of the place and allow us to guide them you know, step by step. Mm. And my wife and daughter and I all were involved, like it's fully, fully state, mm. full commitment at the existential level. Mm. And over a period of several months, it, lots of signs seemed to say that this is a very good place. I remember having a conversation with a woman where she asked us at dinner, she's like, I, you're the first people I've had come to my house. We were some of the first white people to move this far into the island back in the early 60s. Mm. Um, you're literally the first guest I've had at my house since COVID. Here's the question. How did you make it into the center of centers? Why are you here? And her sense was, for some reason, we were supposed to be there. It was very surprising to her. It was very surprising to us. Right? So it was a sign. A sign that we were on the right path. Mm. Ultimately, and there's a very large amount of work that's done, we mm. find a home. We find a plot of land. We have this building community of people that are quite interested in building, let's say, a civium kind of thing in this space. Building a new religion. Mm. Uh, it's not a religion. And... Um, <laughs> 
I managed to muster uh, a capacity to, to make an offer on this on this home that's going to be our base camp that will then allow us to then move into the larger property. Turns out I meet the individual who owns the house. He was on a very interesting life journey similar to my own and his current home in California was about 10 minutes away from my current home in California. Hmm. So I went and had coffee with him. Turns out the guys who actually originally built the house were a very famous, locally world famous crew of Texas wrestlers in the 70s who I was passionately you know, a fan of back in that day. Like, all right, I am, the, the degree to which this is the right place is off the charts. So I said, all right, I'm in. I'll make this very large stake mm-hmm. to, to make this thing happen, which then is the next step. And we actually had some people who, when we went back to California, were wrapping up, you know, removing everything, shutting down, people who were already hold, like staying in that house, preparing it for us to arrive. And on my birthday, by the way, was closing day. We're not closing day, but signatures day. We're going to sign the documents. Perfect. Offer acceptance. <laughs> so they made an offer. Well, okay, he was, I made the offer on it. Offer acceptance. On that day, they get two offers, all cash, at 20% more than what I was offering, which I was at the limit of what I could do. This is the example of like this surprising, like, wow, what the heck just happened? Almost, um, not just demoralizing, but disorienting. All right, this model that I had built of what proper action what proper choice looks like that i had have now cultivated and this is by the way like the fifth or sixth uh, rodeo mm. um still isn't right and it's a yank like a hard yank mm. and um in the process of saying okay learning more of stepping away from that that sort of put that whole journey in the back in the review mirror and we kept trying mm. so two or three more bites of that apple mm. and equally deeply invested up to this point now, actually having put all our stuff in pods and moved from San Diego. Hmm. We finally are now recalling from the most recent disaster in, in Ecuador, um, where I've actually, by the way, gotten very sick. And I'm literally at my parents' house, how hmm. funny, right? Hmm. In Texas, because we have no home and nowhere to go. Um, really wondering what the heck, what's going on? And maybe this is the point where the humility is set in deep enough. And Vanessa, says, well, let's go to Asheville, North Carolina, which weirdly enough is literally the last place on the list. And I mean this, we have this list of narrow of places that people had recommended that we had, you know, eliminated many, we had add certain ones. As you know, we did an RV trip in late 2020. We went all the way up to the monastery, the mm-hmm. high point of the map, and then came all the way back down. And on the way down, we had Asheville on the list and we skipped it. The only place we skipped on the whole trip, we just mm-hmm. drove right past it. Um, she said, all right, last place on the list, let's go. Let's at least check it off. Mm-hmm. So we visited. And weirdly enough, although our Airbnb was in Nashville, we chose to fly into Charlotte and drive into town. I'm not sure why. You can fly into Asheville Airport. And let's say somewhat randomly, uh, we were going to meet the one person who we had been introduced to. We didn't know anybody in the whole region, but the one person we'd been introduced to. And he said, why don't we meet in Black Mountain? Mm -hmm. So we met in a little coffee shop in Black Mountain, which, by the way, as it turns out, was founded by one of the members of the church I go to. Mm -hmm. So we met there. We happened to walk around a little bit. Beautiful, like a very strong sense of, hmm, like that, hmm. Positive, positive. Went to Asheville, very nice place. It wasn't the right place for us. But we didn't have anywhere else to go. Hmm. So we decide on uh, January 15th of last year to just pull up stakes, got a, uh, uh, a three Airbnbs in Asheville, and my mom, 
came with mm. my daughter. Mm. Like, all right, let's check this place out. So we did one. We moved to the next one. By the time we got to the second place, I said, you know what? Why don't we just like eat all the deposits we put on these? I think the answer is going to be Black Mountain. Mm. I, I see an Airbnb. We can get them. Let's do it. Sorry, this wasn't January 15th. This was actually like December 21st of last year. Not this most recent December, but the one before it. So we did it. We went up there. And it turns out to be a particular day called Holly Jolly, which is kind of like a uh, op- everybody open, all the lights are on, all the businesses are open, everybody's kind of out playing music. Mm. It's a, a festival. At Black Just, Mountain. At Black Mountain. Oh, wow. So a very nice impression. Yeah. And we were staying walking distance to town. Mm. Now, remember, I've got, I've got all the city and stuff in the back of my mind. Like, what are the design criteria for what the minimum viable um, form of human collaboration and ways that we live mm-hmm. must look like? Right? So I've been looking to build this, looking for ingredients of what it might look like to design it. And now I'm taken by the fact that, yeah, this is a really good example of the kind of thing that you'd want to see. Mm. And so January 15th, we pulled the trigger we get an Airbnb at Black Mountain. We said, we're going to try to figure it out. So we're staying in town. And now every day I start having these experiences of, let's say, wholesomeness and, and, and heartening. And in some sense, very simple stuff. I'm just walking around town and some old couple on their porch waves and invites me and my daughter to come up. We walk up to the porch. We sit down and have a chat with them for an hour and a half. The next day we're walking along and two ladies who just moved into town, uh, retired from being school teachers, invite us to come to the potluck uh, for their housewarming. Out of the blue. Which is not that crazy, but in the real world, in the world we live in now, it's actually kind of crazy. Um, it's the way it ought to be. Mm-hmm. In some sense, it's a very simple way of doing things. And I should mention, by the way, the two ladies, they're married to each other. Mm. This is a interesting community which is simultaneously has a lot of very old-fashioned values and probably 90% of the community goes to church. Um, and yet at the same time actually has what we call an embodied inclusiveness or maybe mm. even like embracing is better. Mm. Instead of including, embracing. Mm. Um, and so it begins to grow. I mean, I start having these experiences of, huh, wow, maybe I was actually quite arrogant mm. in some sense, thinking that we needed to design something new. Maybe the right answer has actually always been be invited into something that is, that is already and then find a way to support and help be part of that. Which at that point was all I had left in the anyhow, so it was a pretty good answer. Um, and we were embraced. Now I remember actually by probably about month, the end of month one, I still was very suspicious. And I walked up to the folks who lived across the way, who were old folks, probably mid 80s I said all right guys when's the other shoe going to drop and he smiled and he said well I've been here 40 years and it ain't dropped yet I said, all right good enough for me we're in so these experiences of just you know prof- the profundity and, and the mystery of okay what's going on here how did it happen how did this place survive to be still wholesome right? and still be they call it Mayberry the people who live there you know, still be, and, and I don't mean this, it's not a simulacrum of Mayberry. It really is a wholesome place mm. where um, you can go to the local lake and take, sit down in the, in the um, uh, what do you call it? Not a pagoda, but the wooden structure that you can sit in and look at the lake and have a conversation with the grandmother. And she'll mention that her gazebo mentioned that her, her son has just moved back into town. 
that he went to college. Let's say, for example, in this case, he joined the uh, joined the army, got married. But as soon as they started wanting to have kids, they wanted to move back. Right. And over and over again, a very similar story. So simultaneously, produces young people who can make it out there. Right? So it's not a um, avatism. But when they actually are choosing to have and create family, they want to move back and do mm. and bring a lot of that capability and energy. In this case, their spouse and their kids back into town. So there's a liveness, it's a vitality. And I should mention, by the way, weirdly enough, I don't know if you've ever read it, but there's a book called um, One Second After or One Minute After. It's uh, one of the earliest, well, maybe a couple decades, maybe more than a couple now, about an EMP attack that takes out all the electrical systems. Actually, I have read this book. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. It's fiction, yeah. A profoundly good analysis of a post-apocalyptic environment with a realistic apocalypse, uh, which, by the way, during the game B-Days was pretty high on the list of realistic mm. apocalypses. But here's the point. A sizable fraction of the people in town have read this book, and so the consciousness of apocalypse has been metabolized. Fascinating. Like, there actually are, there's, there's a consciousness and awareness of, of resilience in the context of what might happen if things fall apart that is neither panicked like there's, there's not a lot of preppers. That's not the mentality, but it's a mentality of, okay, how do we prepare for bad things happening mm. in a variety of different formats? Mm. Um, so I could have, I could drop in and have conversations, um, you know, game A, game B conversations with pretty much anybody pretty quickly. Mm. And one, nobody's freaked out, but two, they would begin to nod and say, oh yeah, we've got, this is the infrastructure we've got in place. Here's our food, here's our water, here's how we've kind of designed these sorts of things. Here's the people who are good at it. And I'm like, wow, you guys have already thought this stuff through. So as I go through my Civium checklist, here's the resilience checklist, here's the um, uh, wholesomeness checklist, here's all the elements of it. Uh, and then because of the vitality of the community, I've actually been able to find collaborators mm. at the same level that I've found anywhere else in the world, like very high level capabilities with mm. very diverse backgrounds. So I know that some of you listening to this, especially the same sex reference will sort of, you know, recoil and you might say, well, this is, you know, he's just picking the place, but, but what about the conversion? Well, this church did baptize him. He said, well, what kind of a church is it? Well, I don't really know. It actually sounds Calvinist when he starts getting into it, but let's keep listening. Hmm. We've got people who've done missionary work in North North Korea mm. for decades and know it mm. quite well mm. at an intimate level that you know, very few people do. Um, so then a day comes along where I've, I've been, what's the right way of describing it? Maybe it's a little bit like body work. Have you ever had a, like a really good body worker? Yeah. who kind of put you through your paces, but the muscles have finally gotten supple. Mm -hmm. So I've been kind of made supple. Mm. Um, we're invited to a birthday party, not by the people who are throwing the birthday party, but that's perfectly reasonable in a real community, a kid's birthday party. So we go to the kid's birthday party. It's a raucous affair. And as we're talking, walking around and talking to various people, two of them invite my wife, Vanessa, to their church. And this is kind of the last piece, you know, the last, um, how would you say, chink. Um, I had still maintained, in spite of everything, an allergy to church, in particular Christian church. I noticed it, like a, a what's it called? What's Benita call it? A uh, tightening of the body. Oh, well, hold on now. How funny, right? Now, through all this journey, all the different things that I was willing to explore 
and dive into and the craziness that I went through. And um, mm. the thing that is the actual foundation of Western civilization and is the precursor to all of the processes that I'm capable of thinking and, 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 and aspiring mm. to from the West <laughs> was the one thing that I was still very much uh, and, and, and allergic is the right term. Yeah. I'm irrationally averse to. <laughs> but I had become supple. So the answer was something like, why not? What's the worst thing that could happen? Let's just give it a shot. Mm. And amazingly enough, as it turns out, that Sunday, I was already scheduled to go to an AI conference in San Francisco, which, by the way, was the first time I've been to San Francisco since before COVID. Um, so my wife and I have very distinct experiences. I experience where the peak of secular technological food in pill form let's go to mars apollo program culture had gotten to and i assure you it's demoralizing and she went to a small you've been to it modest uh church in the mountains of western north carolina mm. and um on the flight back she texted me and she said I liked it. I think you should come next week. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to, this is how naive we are. I'd love to reach out to one of the pastors and see if he would be willing to come visit us at home. Mm -hmm. Think about that. Mm -hmm. Obviously now I know that it's not just willing, but in some sense mandatory. <laughs> if somebody expresses interest in Christianity mm -hmm. and they're not currently Christians, a pastor is going to come visit their house. But we didn't know that. Um, so she asked and he agreed. Uh, Gordon, the, the, the elder, the oldest one. Mm -hmm. He came and visited. Uh, we came on Sun, uh, the following Sunday. And with, I think, the exception of the summer when we had to leave town because our Airbnb had, had expired and we still didn't have a place to live. Hmm. And um, one time I've been traveling. I've been to that church every Sunday since and been to house church every Wednesday since. Hmm. Um, and the experience for me of going to a Christian church, which I think, obviously, in some sense, I'm very lucky. There's many different variations on the institution that I would have bounced. Hmm. But I didn't bounce. I had basically three experiences. The first experience was the obvious wholesomeness of the people and the families that were there, which you've seen. Yeah. It was just vivid. Vivid. Yeah, good word. Yeah, yeah just amazing. Just so. Now, now, I'm also aware that for some of you, you live in the midst of wholesomeness all the time. Your life is so wholesome, you don't even know how wholesome it is compared to other lives. And and this is something that for someone who grew up in the church, in a good family, in a good denomination, um, surrounded by Christian people, often Christian clergy, I, I have been surrounded by wholesomeness for so much of my life that every now and then I need somebody to come in from the outside and just look at me and say, you don't know what you have. And, and so for some of you out there, I want to reinforce that because it's a shock. And, and there's a lot more that could be said about that, but I, I don't want to interrupt this story too much because it is profound. I'm not going to play it all the way to the end. He goes into a whole bunch of different things which are really fascinating in this podcast. So I you know my goal here is not to sort of um, swoop in and take 
take hits away from the podcast. I, you know, those of you, I've never heard about this podcast, but um, I don't know. It's got 140 stars on I, I, podcasts, unlike YouTube, which is, of course, sort of a walled garden. It's always sort of hard to know how much reach any given podcast has. Well, heartening. Um, the second was when I actually listened to the sermon. And in this case, by the way, Brandon was the pastor that time. So mm. Same one you heard. The experience I had, and, and this was, by the way, from Paul. So tougher stuff. Mm. I think it was actually some of the stuff that at a cultural level might be a little difficult to swallow. Uh, the feeling I had was, was um, my own discernment was, for the most part, yeah. Like, I haven't heard it said this way, but there's nothing that you're saying that, that, that strikes me as being off. Except for twice, where I had a contraction. That's uh, Benita's word. But when I reflected on that, in both cases, I was the one who was off. Like my deeper sense was, no, that's true, and you don't like to hear it, that kind of a thing, which is good. I guess the Christians would... Now, this is something that's really important to see among, in many of the post-Christians, in the Verveke corner of the corner, that, you know, as, you know, they have sort of followed John, and John, in his capacity to check himself and to have a degree of enforced humility, and I mean, and so you hear this in Jordan because this is no small thing. He is going to a church in northwestern North Carolina. This is this is as Bible belty as it gets boys and girls. Now, again, I don't know what church it is. As he talks a little bit more, sounds roughly like a Reformed church, could be Presbyterian. Don't know. And, you know, um, maybe figure that out. Maybe Jordan will come on and we'll talk more about this. I I, I have, I know when um, Molly Worthen came out as a Christian, I forget what podcast she was on first, and then she had an excellent talk with Justin Brierley, a lot of people said, oh, you should go, you should get her on the channel. And I probably could have, but again, generally speaking, I don't like reaching out to people for conversations. I do do it. I don't do it much. I did it with Elizabeth Oldfield. Usually it's because they do something that I really want to talk to them about, but I usually hold myself back because, especially for someone who is just coming into the faith now, Jordan's been in this a little while, so he was baptized a little while ago. So this is sort of a coming out a little bit after the fact, which I think is really important, especially in this in this space, which can be very much, oh, this is the idea of the hour for me, and I'm very much that way, so I get it. But I, you know, when people are new in their faith, you give them too much spotlight, it can kind of be a dangerous thing. So I want to, I want to be. I want to be sensitive about that. Call that being convicted. Mm. You know, being very specifically poked mm. in your own uh, unwillingness to actually turn towards what's right and true. Mm -hmm. um, that's pretty powerful. Mm. And by the way, I have a reasonably high confidence in my discernment at this point. Mm. Like I can tell bullshit when it's bullshit pretty well. Or at least, let's put it this way. If I feel that it's bullshit, I don't pretend that it's not. Mm. That's a better way of putting it. I may be wrong, but I'm not self-deceptive about it. Mm. And then the last piece was, it's funny, it was literally physical, like several times, not a facepalm, like the hand to the forehead, 
of just, oh, of course. Mm. Uh, that experience of what happens when humility is strong enough that you realize it's something that you thought was actually very easy and already there mm. in a profound and fully integrated way. It's like, of course, you couldn't possibly do the kind of thing that we need to do mm. if human beings aren't willing to come on a continuing basis and give their time and attention together, focusing on the most meaningful things in a deeply committed orderly way, i.e. go to church. Right? <laughs> obviously, it's weirdly obvious that you can't possibly actually build anything vaguely like an actual community that matters if that isn't at the very bottom of the stack. Mm -hmm. like that's the minimum commitment. There's lots more to it, but that's a minimum. Uh, and et cetera, et cetera. Like many, many times, just like, wow, holy smokes, boy. And that's that sense of arrogance. Mm. Man. And the arrogance was double-bladed. One side was the allergy, which I think is a culturally hung. Now, I want to talk about the, the church thing because, of course, it's on the main channel now, so some of you have seen it and some of you saw it before. I don't have these mess-ups anymore in my recording process, but I did. What I'm going to do is I'm going to drop a little bit of the enough speech that one of the randos gave. It's on the full channel now. And the point that he makes is, as Jordan Hall says, well, actually, this going to church thing is a big deal. It's quite a it's quite an accomplishment. And when you look at, let's say, a lot of the competitors or the other options that, let's say, if you're on the menu system trying to find a worldview to participate in and inhabit, um, it, it actually is both in, in one way extremely accessible and in another way extremely powerful. It, it's actually enormously efficient. Now, understand, you know, I just did that John Mark Comer video, and it, it has its drawbacks. It's not perfect, but it actually works. And, and it was the beginning for, for Jordan of a process of investigation. Uh, and et cetera, et cetera, like many, many times, just like, wow, holy smokes, boy. And that's that sense of arrogance. Mm. Man. And the arrogance was double-bladed. One side was the allergy which I think is a culturally honed thing, right? Nothing in our culture has been more, uh, how would I say, negatively propagandized than in fact Christianity. Hmm. This isn't that complicated. I mean, you're hardest on yourself. Hmm. You're next hardest on the people you hold closest to you. Strangers can oftentimes always get the, the shiniest version of yourself. Same thing here. You know, Western hmm. culture has been hardest on Western culture. And Christianity is at the very center of that. And there's some meaningful malevolence of people pointing directly at it. So part of it was that. Part of it was just simply inheriting, growing up in the 70s and 80s, when postmodernism was kicking in, when the new atheism was kicking on, and even if it was just being absorbed from the side, that allergy. Hmm. But the other piece was actually just the, let's say, remnants, although, of course, with proper humility, it probably aren't the last. This probably isn't the last step of continuing to be carved out, but of uh, intellectual arrogance, like the sense of, no, no, we need to invent something new. Right. And we can. Yes. Because we're so fucking smart. Right. And they were so fucking dumb. Yeah. Um, so then I was stuck. My, my, my model of what is what proper community looks like, and frankly, my model of what religion looks like, 
was hit with map. This is it. It's right here. Hmm. Well, I can in good faith continue to participate in this church and be part of this community, but I'm not actually going to at least honestly endeavor to explore what they say they believe. So I did. And so for the very first time, I really started cracking up what you call my theological mode, which mm. has now been running hot for a year mm. and still is super immature. Mm. I'm reasonably confident that has no end to it. Mm. So for as long as I happen to be in, on this particular earth, um, I will continue to delve into it. And what I experienced thus far has been is it opened more and more the more you delve into it. Mm -hmm. And you've got some questions, but I actually had a series of blockers. Like here's things where I really reflect on it. I can't swallow these things. This is tough. So I'm gonna have to work on them. Mm -hmm. I had challenges around, so the doctrine of, of sinful nature in this category called total depravity. Mm -hmm. um, I had concerns or, around the meaning of the crucifixion and salvation. I had concerns around historicity and the notion of fiction and or uh, literalism. Mm. Um, I had concerns around the Trinity. Mm. And then, as it turns out, I had concerns around what appears to be an incoherence between a doctrine of predestination and the doctrine of freedom and or responsibility. Mm. Now, interestingly, the first four I've worked through to the point where I can in good faith say, oh, actually, I, I didn't understand it properly. And as I've gotten to a deeper understanding, I get it. Mm. And I feel very good about it. And therefore, I felt very confident three months ago of taking baptism. Mm. And the last turns out to be not that important. Mm. It's a really fun theological thing to chew on, but you don't have to actually have a particular perspective on it to be able to be in the faith properly, I would say. Mm. Uh, but the caveat here is, you know, I'm very much a novice in this stuff. And in most cases, um, my understandings can be quite relatively thin. You know, I've read now for about a year, the Old and New Testament, by the way, in English. I'm not going to even try to run an Old Testament in Hebrew and New Testament in Greek. With the help of ChatGPT in some circumstances, uh, I've read a substantial work of the, what are called the Apostolic Fathers and then the, uh, I think, the Church Fathers. Um, so I'm up to about the Cappadocian folks horizontally. I'm mm -hmm. reading up from the oldest works. And then I've probably read about a lot, probably about 10,000 pages of contemporary theology. Mm. All, all, most in the Western tradition, not all. I'm actually reading a really wonderful book um, called uh, For the Life of the World, mm. which is actually coming from an Orthodox writer. It's amazing. <laughs> it's mind-blowing. Um, and I've continued, by the way, to delve into stuff like, uh, you know, John has pointed me to this wonderful work by a gentleman who's looking at Neoplatonism, Christianity and Heidegger in the context of pure relationality. Mm. It was a John Ravakey. John Ravakey, yeah. yeah. So continuing to delve into the the place where philosophy connects with theology. Yeah. But that's where we are. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah. So now, now if Jordan shows up somewhere and you're an ortho bro or you're a trad Catholic or you're young, restless, and reformed or you're whatever... Just go easy on him, okay? Just just please go easy on him because what you grew up in or maybe what you found two, three years ago and have been submerging yourself in and you're all excited about, that's wonderful. But we're all different and it takes a while. And I know some of you are living your Christian life up here 
and you're never going to church. You're not embedded in a community. You're not actually doing anything with anybody else. Uh, up here is always way less real than everything down here, and you're only really going to learn the real thing by participating. And this is what Jordan knows, and this is what he, he clearly knows in terms of his whole, his whole story. And, and this is what he is pursuing. And you might, well, he hasn't read this. Of course he hasn't read that. The poor guy is just trying to get going. He had this rash against Christianity, and he's just gotten over that. And so now he's he's got to try and you know figure the whole thing out. And some of you are also going to say, well, that, that doesn't sound like much of a conversion to me. Conversion should be just completely take you out of yourself. The truth is, there are books out there of just conversion stories, and, and they're really fun books. I There was a period where I read a whole bunch of these conversion story books. This was when I was in my 20s. And they're just fascinating, all these conversion stories through history. And what you discover is that people are all over the map. I just had this conversation with Elizabeth Oldfield today, and it was just absolutely delightful. And maybe I'll just share a little bit of that here. Did you go to church when you were young? bit so my mum's family had no um religious faith or practice at all i would say sort of low level hostility in a way there's quite a patches of this sort of british working class i would say for several generations have felt very disenfranchised by church not relevant to them didn't want to be preached at it's just like snobby snooty place to be and that was my mum's family's reaction to the idea um my dad came from a kind of different background and was sent to the kind of school where you went to chapel. And so he had more uh, inculcation in the sort of rituals and rhythms of church. Um, but there was no, there was no kind of, uh, there was no discussion of it in the home. There was a brief period in my memory where we were taken to the local Methodist church, essentially as free childcare. So we were, left in Sunday school and then they went home for mummy and daddy time um which I knew full well what it was by a certain age because they were medical and they were very frank about these things um but it was very boring and uh I now can look back and through my adult eyes see the beauty of a congregation of older women mm -hmm. and think wow they must the stories they would have told mm -hmm. these faithful prayer warriors yeah. by the way one of my reasons for doing estuary every week at Sunday and doing it at a time when the Livingstones people will be here is we have some of the most amazing women in the last years of their life. They have stories that will blow your mind. Now, they don't think anybody's interested in these stories because nobody has ever expressed interest in these stories. I know these stories are gold. And so part of what I do when I do an estuary meeting is I make sure some of these women are there. And every now and then I'll sort of seed one of them. I know where their story starting buttons are and I'll press that little story starting button and off they will go. And the few of you who both listen to my podcast and come to the Sunday morning estuary meeting know what I'm talking about. At yeah. the time, I was a like snooty and dismissive and ageist child. And I was just like, oh, old ladies, I can see through their hair to their scalp. And I can't focus on what they're saying. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so I wasn't, I wasn't um, 
particularly enamored or connected. Hmm. I think there was then a gap of several years, but honestly, none of us really remember. I've sort of gone back to try and stitch this this like bit of my testimony together and I'm not entirely sure of the chronology, but at some point between deciding I didn't want to hang out with the um, older ladies at the Methodist church on my own while my parents went home, um, and then being in, which I think was kind of six, seven, eight, maybe. When I must've been about 14, I was then taken by a friend's youth group to a, a Christian festival and, and there had a very powerful, uh, ex charismatic, ecstatic experience, which felt like the beginning of something real. Hmm. And did something take right then, or was it kind of an isolated experience that bore fruit later? No, it was a real, this is, this is the what the world has changed around me. Hmm. I have su I have such a strong. I've tried to write about it a couple of times, and it's one of those real like. Uh, words are such a left hemispheric thing, right? There's a there's a, the, the 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 the. Who is it? I was reading talked about trying to catch capture God in a cage of concepts, hmm. and every time I sort of try and sidle up to what happened there. And you know, my my kind of writerly ego is like, I can definitely describe this experience. It sort of just stops dead. Um, so yes, I remember not being Christian before and then standing up and being like, oh, well, I guess this is it then, I guess. So you got mugged. I, I guess <laughs> I'm in. Yeah, I really did. I, and I prayed, God, if you're there, will you show me? And it was like, Careful yes, I what will. you asked for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was, it was un, undeniably answered in the most dr dramatic possible way. Um, skeptic's naive prayer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what did your parents think of this? All right. So that's, I'll be, again, I'll be playing with this in Descript and I'll be maybe feeding a few little teasers out to the internet. And next week I'll release the whole thing. And if you want to see it, it's in No Wait, No Ads. But by all means, listen to this podcast. He goes from there. And as somebody wrote me, he said, I just keep, I keep listening to it. And it just keeps, it just keeps surprising me. And so, you know, of course, dependent on what other things sort of capture me and my ADHD ways. If you're, if you're not going to listen to the podcast and just ex expect that I will, treat the whole thing eventually in my very disciplined, systematic way, you obviously haven't been paying very close attention to my channel. So listen to the whole thing because it's quite remarkable. It is, and again, this is Jordan Hall. He is a known quantity here in the corner. And it's a remarkable podcast. It's a remarkable podcast. So, and you know, my conversation with Elizabeth Oldfield was remarkable too, but very different, very different. She would, she would, she would go on to deconstruct. <laughs> she would go on to lose her faith. And so we talk about deconstruction and some of those kind of things. And I'll probably make a little clip about that and put that out. But yeah, by all means, check out the Jordan Hall podcast about Jordan Hall converts to Christianity. The link is down below. It's amazing. I, I couldn't stop listening to it this morning. So I can't wait. Again, part of what 
is we're doing in this, especially this corner of the corner is this is gonna Grim Grizz is gonna chew on this and 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 Chad is gonna chew on this and some of the other channels are gonna chew on this and some people are gonna you know Sam's gonna want him on his podcast and 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 so buckle up I think uh, and and people are gonna discuss it people are gonna share their minds and they're gonna be cynical or skeptical and and they're gonna be upset that. These on and on and on and on and on it's going to go, but it's remarkable. So don't miss it. Don't pass it by. Leave a comment. Let me know what you think. Good, bad, right, or wrong.